So we read these words in Luke chapter 1. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of all the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning... It seemed good also to me to write an orderly account. And this account is for you, most excellent Theophilus, 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 so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. Thanks, Carl. Let's pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we uh, pray now that as we think about uh, the historical reality of Jesus, Lord, we ask that you would speak to us, that we would hear you, that you would give us confidence uh, about who Jesus is. Uh, And we ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, in uh, 1899, Hugh Mearns wrote uh, the poem Antagonish, which you might have heard of or might not have, and it begins like this. Yesterday upon the stair, I met a man who wasn't there. He wasn't there again today. I wish I wish he'd go away. I think for many people that Jesus is a little bit like uh, the man in uh, Hugh Mearns' poem, a bit like the man on the stairs who wasn't there. Over the past couple of months, we've been asking people around Launceston who they think Jesus is. That is, we we just want to know uh, what people think uh, about Jesus, what they understand about Jesus. We've had all kinds of responses. One person said uh, that Jesus was Gary Ablett. I don't know if they meant uh, Gary Ablett Sr. or Jr. Both of them might be a bit mystified given that they, uh, they're Christians, they're following Jesus. They might be surprised to hear that they are Jesus. Um, another person said that Jesus uh, was the baby in the manger. Others said he's the one whose name comes up when people are frustrated. Someone else said he was a cult leader. Uh, someone that he's whoever you want him to be. But one of the most common responses was that Jesus didn't even exist, Uh, that Jesus is just a made-up person, a figment of people's imagination. Is that who Jesus is? Is Jesus a fairy tale? Is he the man on the stairs who wasn't really there that we kind of just wish would go away? Well, what I want to do uh, this morning is to look at some of the evidence that we have for the reality of Jesus, for the historical, uh, the historical evidence that we have for Jesus, uh, and to, to see why there's good reason to believe that he did really exist. Uh, you might genuinely be seeking an answer to that question, and, and if that is the case, I hope that some of what I say this morning is helpful for you. Uh, you might already be firmly convinced that Jesus existed Uh, In which case, I hope that this morning gives you more confidence about that and I hope that it also helps you to explain your confidence to other people as well. Uh, What I want to do this morning is three things. I want to look at what the Bible... uh, I want to look at the Bible and say a few things about what the Bible is uh, and about what the Gospels are and whether they're reliable uh, and so help us to think about whether we should take them seriously And then I want to look at some of the evidence from outside the Bible uh, that there is for the existence of Jesus. There's lots of things 
other things that could be said and you might have other questions and if so you're welcome to uh, come up afterwards and ask me uh, about those. Um, there's also a heap of resources on the back table that you're welcome to take for yourself or for friends. There's uh, one called The Original Jesus, which looks at who Jesus really was. Can We Trust the, What the Gospels Say? It's a really helpful little booklet. Uh, and Jesus for Skeptics. So uh, please t- feel free to take any of those and to give them away to, to f- friends or if you want them for yourself. So I just want to take some time this morning to highlight some of the historical evidence that we have for the existence uh, of Jesus. Well, historians uh, are chiefly interested in sources, that is S-O-R-C-E-S, not the things that you put on food, but, um, uh, and the more sources that you have for an event, the more confidence that you, you can have that you know what really happened. So you and I always use that in life, we always use it, say, when we evaluate something like the news on television. Uh, if you read the news, you treat what you read, well, most people do, I think, treat what they read with some degree of scepticism. They go, oh, maybe that's true. But then if you read two reports from two different newspapers uh, or from three different newspapers, you begin to think, yeah, I think I'm getting a ha- better handle on what really is true. They're written from different perspectives by different people and you begin to believe that what you're reading is actually true. If you then meet, say, an eyewitness who gives you a testimony about what has happened, then you're even more likely to believe what they're saying is true. In a court case, you generally don't convict a person on the testimony of just one witness. You need multiple witnesses because a single witness can make things up, can doctor the facts. Alternatively, they might just get some of the facts wrong. Now, uh, what you may or may not know is that the Bible is not actually one book, but 66 books. It's 66 different sources written by 66 different people. Uh, The the Bible is not one document, but many documents composed over a period of about a thousand years. We buy the Bible as one book, but originally it was lots of small books and small letters uh, distributed around the ancient world. A bit over half of the documents form what we call the Old Testament and they were written before Jesus and a bit less than half form what we call the New Testament and were written in the period immediately after Jesus lived. We have four key sources for the events of Jesus' life, the four Gospels or the four biographies of Jesus' life, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. And we also have other writings from the New Testament, which are letters written by other authors and they all speak about the life of Jesus. Now that's important because, as I said, historians look for multiple sources in establishing the truth of a historical event. And we have in the New Testament those multiple sources. But not only is the New Testament kind of made up of these multiple sources, written by different people, they're all written by different people with different backgrounds and different perspectives and and have been through different life circumstances. So... According to early church tradition, Matthew, who wrote the first gospel in the New Testament, Matthew was a Jewish man. He was a despised tax collector. Uh, He eventually became one of Jesus' disciples. But his background was an outcast of society. He wasn't one of the religious elite, but he was uh, a despised person. Mark was also written by a Jewish man and probably under the influence of Peter, one of Jesus' other disciples. John was another one of the 12 disciples. Uh, And so the three biographies, those three biographies of Jesus were written by by different men, but but also by men who knew Jesus intimately. 
Luke was written by a first century physician, uh, by a first century doctor, who was probably not Jewish. So he, he, uh, was, not, he was from quite a different background to uh, all the other gospel writers. Paul, who wrote a fair slab of the other parts of the New Testament, he had originally been an opponent of Jesus. He'd been antagonistic and hateful towards the early Christians. He'd been overseeing the execution of early Christians until he changed his mind to believe that Jesus was the Son of God after he met the resurrected Jesus uh, in person. Jesus' brother James wrote a letter in the New Testament Uh, And he was a witness also to the life uh, of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus. So what we have is 27 separate source documents from the first century written by different people at different times, from different backgrounds, with different perspectives, but all making the same basic point about the life of Jesus. That is, that Jesus existed, that he did many wonderful things, and that he was crucified and that he was raised to life. Now you might begin to wonder, yeah, okay, so there's different, different people all telling the same story. But maybe they've worked together to concoct it. Maybe they've just made it up. But of course, the more people who are involved in a cover-up, the harder it is for everyone to agree. So two people might be able to do it. They can get together and they can make up their story. But actually, the more people you add, it gets harder and harder all the time. Three people is twice as hard, four people is twice as hard again. To have 27 sources all endorsing the same lie is actually a really big ask. Uh, But also, if you take the four biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, the four accounts are similar enough to be making the same point, but not so similar that they appear to be contrived. That is, they're similar but different. Uh, When they tell the same story, they give different details, they use different language, they tell the story in different ways, they tell the story from different perspectives. Uh, The Gospel of John is quite different again. It's uh, quite different And of course the letters of Paul are very different as well, a completely different style. Uh, It's like watching the news report of a footy match on two different TV stations, right? It's the same game with the same result, but both stations take different clips from the game. Uh, Both stations show two different sets of highlights, but they both report the same scoreline at the end of the day, right? They both are reporting on the same match, the same result, but they just choose to focus on different things. Uh, And it's the same with the Gospels. They each report on the life of Jesus quite differently, differently enough to show that they're independent, but similar enough to show that they're all saying the same thing. They all agree on the same facts, the divinity of Jesus, that he was God, that he was powerful, that he did miracles, that he died as an innocent man and that he rose from the dead. Uh, so, there's, uh, so is there good evidence uh, to think that Jesus existed? Yes, there is. The four biographies of Jesus constitute very good evidence uh, for the life of Jesus. And the 23 other source documents that we have from the New Testament also provide good evidence for the life of Jesus. So that's the first thing then I think that is good to know, that the Bible is not actually one book but lots of books written by different people 
It represents multiple historical sources, but they all speak with one voice about the identity uh, and the historical reality of Jesus. But moving beyond that then, it's helpful to ask the question whether those sources are historically reliable. Are they genuinely uh, trustworthy sources? That is, is there any reason to believe that these writers are telling the truth? Now you might think that the uh, documents from the Bible are not reliable because they're biased and religious in nature and that they have a barrow to push. Uh, But historians actually don't treat them that way. Even non-Christian historians don't treat them uh, that way. Every document has a bias. If you read the newspaper, depending on which newspaper you read, you kind of know that there's a bias, right? Everybody accuses the ABC of being left-wing and everybody uh, accuses the Australian of being right-wing. Now, if you know that, when you come to read it, you can take that into account and you can kind of read it through that filter and understand uh, what's going on. One of the ways you do that is by listening to the different sources. Uh, the other day I got a pamphlet in the mail from the state Liberal government. I don't know if anyone else got that. It was one of those trifold brochures. Uh, and they were, it was political propaganda. Uh, and they were saying what achievements they'd made over the past years since they've come, to, uh, come into power. Now, of course, the time period that they chose to report on was biased to show them in the best light. And, of course, the things that they chose to tell us about were all the things that had improved under their government. They didn't tell us about the things that had gone backwards under their government. But that doesn't mean that the essential facts of what they were saying was incorrect. Actually, all the statistics were taken from the Australian Bureau of Statistics uh, and from the Department of Prime Minister and Cabinet. So just because it was a piece of political propaganda didn't mean that it was untrue or that it was unreliable. And it's the same with the Gospels. Just because it's uh, written from a perspective trying to endorse something, it doesn't mean that it's untrue. Uh, The Bible writers often show themselves uh, also to be accurate in other respects. So uh, take, for example, the Gospel of Luke. Luke wrote two books in the New Testament. The second book, he wrote the Gospel of Luke, and then he wrote uh, the book of Acts. And in the late 19th century, there was an historian by the name of Sir William Ramsey, and he decided to check out uh, how reliable Luke was. He uh, was trying to make a map of the Mediterranean, and he thought that he could use Luke. But Well, he didn't think, actually, that he could use Luke, because he thought Luke was dodgy. Uh, and so he, he, his initial view of Acts was this. He wrote that it was written during the second half of the second century by an author who wished to influence the minds of people in his own time by a highly wrought and imaginative description of the early church. That is, he thought that Acts was written way after all the events had happened, like 150 years after, and he thought that Luke had just made it up, uh, kind of as a complete fabrication. But as he conducted his own research, he followed around uh, in the footsteps of Luke around the Mediterranean. Uh, He was surprised by what he found. And he concluded in the end, after all this research and after all this travel, he wrote that Luke is among one of the historians of the first rank. He was so amazed by the accuracy which Luke displayed that he was 
he became thoroughly convinced uh, of his reliability. What changed his mind was Luke's detailed knowledge of the situation within the Mediterranean region in the first century. Luke knew about the names of places that scholars had never known about. He knew about the names for language groups and so on that nobody had ever understood. And as more and more of those things came to light they began to realise that Luke was actually, rather than being inaccurate, was actually a very, very careful reporter uh, of the things that were going on in the first century. Another guy by the name of A.N. Sherwin White, who's a historian who's not a Christian, writes, uh, for Acts, the confirmation of historicity is overwhelming. That is, it's pretty accurate. Uh, And any attempt to reject its basic uh, historicity even in matters of detail, must now appear absurd. Roman historians have long taken it for granted. That is, anyone who's in the field of Roman history thinks Luke is a reliable guide to the first century. So the Bible is not just one book. It's lots of books written by different people, representing multiple historical sources, but they all speak with one voice about the significance and identity of Jesus. And those sources appear to be generally reliable sources. A final question then before we move on to other evidence for the life of Jesus from outside the Bible. Uh, Another question is, how close to the events of Jesus' life were the Gospels written? That is, were they written close to the life of Jesus, within a few years, or or later? And what is actually a reasonable amount of time? Well, the four Gospels were all written within about 40 to 60 years of Jesus' life, uh, by his disciples or by people acquainted with his disciples. And Paul's letters were written, some of them, much earlier than that. So Paul's letters were written maybe 20 to 30 years after Jesus' death. Uh, James, Jesus' brother, wrote within about 30 years uh, and the Gospel of Mark was composed maybe about 20 to 30 years after Jesus' death. By way of comparison, the earliest biography of Muhammad, the founder of Islam, was composed about 125 years after his death and it continued to be edited for a period about 50 years after that. So too, the earliest records of the life of Buddha were composed about 350 years after his death. Now, you might still think that uh, 20 or 30 or 40 years sounds like a long time, but it's not actually that long. Uh, To say that anything written more than 40 years after an event isn't reliable would be like saying that we can't learn anything about the Holocaust uh, from any histories that were written after the mid-1980s. That anything written after that is a complete waste of time. And that's... uh, obviously not the case. Uh, And in fact, the histories that are generally considered to be the most reliable today by people are those that are written 30 to 40 years after the events. That's because there's been time for the truth to come out and for people to kind of reflect on the events that happened. So in the last few months, uh, the former host of ABC 730 report, uh, Kerry O'Brien, has released a biography of Paul Keating. Uh, The events that Kerry O'Brien is writing about it from the 70s and the 80s and the 90s. So there are events that are sort of 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. And the important point is that most people would consider that a book like that is a more reliable record of those events 
than the newspaper reports that came out at the time that those events was taking place. So actually, events written in the immediate aftermath, uh, reports written in the immediate aftermath of an event are often coloured by prejudice. But as time goes on, and as people have time to gather the facts, the records that are written and created are actually considered to be far more reliable. It's long enough that people have had time to reflect, the truth has had time to come out, but it's not long enough that the eyewitnesses of those events have died. It's clear from Luke's Gospel that what he's done in compiling his biography of Jesus is to talk firsthand to sources. It seems that he talked to people like Mary and to people who were there gathered at the cross. Uh, what's more, in a culture like the first century where people conveyed things reg- regularly and routinely by uh, speaking, by, by telling stories, where people were adept at remembering things and passing them on, in a culture like that, uh, it's even more likely that the things were remembered accurately and well. And when you think about most of the events that we have from Jesus' life uh, and his teaching, they're all things that are deeply memorable. They're things like parables, short stories that are punchy and pithy and easy to remember. Uh, They're things like his miracles and things like his death and resurrection. They're all the kinds of things that people are likely to remember. Uh, Now, the dates of the biographies of Jesus that we find in the New Testament are important because you might have heard of other Gospels, uh, in inverted commas, uh, other Gospels that people talk about that are floating around which are not included in the Bible. So things like the Gospel of Thomas or the Gospel of Philip and uh, Dan Brown in his book The Da Vinci Code mentioned a number of those. Um, a number of years ago. The thing about those Gospels is that they were written considerably later. So the Gospel of Thomas was written about 100 years after the real Thomas was dead. Uh, It was written in about 150 AD. While the Gospel of Philip was written in the 2nd century or possibly even later in the 3rd century. That is, they were both written a long time after the events and long after all the eyewitnesses of those events were dead. So what you had basically in the 2nd and 3rd century was these so-called Gospels appearing out of nowhere, long after all these witnesses had passed away, long after uh, those people were dead, and these Gospels suddenly appearing, pushing a particular agenda or ideology and disagreeing with the 27 other sources from the 1st century that were already well established within the life of the church. And the Christians of the 2nd and the 3rd century rightly saw those documents for what they were. That is a fabrication. Something that somebody had made up in order to kind of push the claims of their individual sect. So the Bible is not one book, but lots of books. Uh, Multiple historical sources speaking with one voice. Uh, They're generally reliable on matters of history. And they're early sources, written by people who knew Jesus and saw him and heard him. But there are also sources from outside the Bible which speak about Jesus. So let me just give you a few of those. Uh, A Greek man by the name of Lucian, living in the second century, wrote about Christians, writing that they still worship the man in Palestine who was crucified. They are all brothers the moment they transgress and deny the Greek gods uh, and begin worshipping that crucified sophist and living by his laws. That is... the. The key point is that Lucian acknowledges that Jesus was crucified 
that he was a man from Palestine and that Christians worshipped him as God. Uh, Tacitus, the Roman historian writing in the early 2nd century, wrote, Christians derived their name from a man named Christ, who during the reign of Emperor Tiberius had been executed by sentence of the procurator Pontius Pilate. The deadly superstition thus checked for the moment broke out afresh not only in Judea, the first source of the evil, but also in the city of Rome, where all things hideous and shameful from every part of the world meet and become popular. So he testifies to the existence of Jesus, that he was judged under Pontius Pilate, that, the, that it began in Judea, uh, and other things like that. Uh, Jewish writings from the second century also refer to Jesus being hanged on the eve of the Passover. Uh, and Josephus, a first century historian, records uh, aspects of the life of Jesus in his work, Jewish Antiquities. He writes about Jesus, and it's worth saying that not everybody agrees that all of what he wrote is authentic, uh, but most, histori- uh, most historians agree on some common bits, and I'll just give you the common bits. Uh, so Josephus wrote, Now there was about this time Jesus, a wise man, for he was a doer of wonderful works, a teacher of such men as received the truth with pleasure. He drew over to him both many of the Jews and many of the Gentiles. He was the so-called Christ, and when Pilate, at the suggestion of the principal men amongst us, had condemned him to the cross, those that loved him at the first did not forsake him. So there's people outside the Bible, not just Christians, but people outside the Bible who record the events of Jesus' life, the fundamental events of Jesus' life, that he lived, that he existed, that he was crucified, that people worshipped him as God, uh, and so on. So the Bible's not just one book, lots of little books. It represents multiple uh, historical sources that speak with one voice about the life of Jesus. Those sources are generally reliable on matters of history. They're early sources Uh, And there are also sources from outside the Bible that mention Jesus as well. The long and short of all of that is that historians, even those who are not Christians, generally agree that Jesus did exist, that he lived and he died. Uh, They believe it because there's a lot of evidence, both from the early Christian sources, like the Gospels and the other writings in the New Testament, but also from writings outside the New Testament, uh, written by non-Christians in the early centuries. But to say, of course, that Jesus lived uh, and existed is quite a different thing from saying that he existed and he was who he said he was. Uh, That he was the son of God come into the world as a man to save us from our sins, to reconcile us to God. That he was a man who died on a cross uh, for our sins, for our guilt, and that he rose again from the dead. But for Luke, uh, who wrote... Uh, his gospel, after his careful study and after gathering all the evidence, he was convinced not only that Jesus existed, but that he was who he said he was. And it wasn't just Luke who was convinced of that. All the Christian writers agree, not just that Jesus existed, but that he was God come in the flesh, that he did many miracles to attest to that, that he was crucified, that he was raised from the dead. And they agree that the purpose of that was so that sinners like you and me might be reconciled to God. They agree that by humbling ourselves and entrusting ourselves to Jesus, uh, to Jesus' care and authority, that we can become God's children, uh, loved by God and kept by God for eternity. They were so convinced of those truths, in fact, that they were willing to die for believing it. This is not people who heard things second-hand, centuries down the track, 
uh, dying for what they believed, but people who lived through the life and times of Jesus. It was people who'd heard Jesus teach, saw people, saw Jesus do miracles, saw Jesus crucified, saw him raised from the dead. It was people who saw him, met him, experienced him, who were so convinced that he was crucified and that he was the risen son of God that they were willing to die for believing it. Christianity spread in the early centuries not as Islam did through wars and through compulsory conversions. Christianity spread in spite of violent persecution, in spite of attempts to stamp it out. And these people were so convinced of what they'd seen and heard that they were willing to die to stand up for what they'd seen. Die, willing to die to to stand up for what they'd heard and for the Jesus whom they'd met. The only sensible explanation of that is that they'd seen and heard a man who'd done mighty works. The only sensible explanation is they'd seen a man who had died and been raised to life. And the only sensible explanation is that God was at work in the lives and hearts of people, in history, and in protecting his people uh, in those early centuries. Well, who do you think Jesus is? Did he even exist? The evidence suggests that Jesus did exist, that he entered our world to die for our sins and to raise us to life with him. And the evidence calls us to entrust ourselves to him uh, and to follow him as our Lord and Saviour. Let me pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, thank you that the Bible is not a book out of history or unconcerned with uh, the mechanics of ordinary life or with things that have happened in the past or with things that happen today. Lord, thank you that it's not merely a spiritual book, but it's a book grounded in the events of our world right from the very beginning of time. Lord, we thank you that there is evidence within the Bible, but also outside it, for Jesus, that he lived and died, that he did many great wonders, that he did things that no man has ever done before or since. That there is evidence that he died on a cross as an innocent man, that he died on a cross so that we might know you and be reconciled to you. That he rose from the dead as a testimony, as a proof that he was approved of by you and as a testimony and a proof that all those who trust in him will one day be raised to life as well. Lord, help us to be sceptics, to test the evidence, and to see that the evidence really does stack up. That you sent your son into the world to save sinners like us. And help us to believe that.
and to follow Jesus. We ask it for his name's sake. Amen.